What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. I am Cole Haight. I am your host. Divisional recap podcast of the ages. Really great, awesome slate of football games. I've been watching football a very long time. Playoff football, regular season football, preseason football, college football, football, you name it. I've watched it and for a long time. And this was an action packed weekend for for the NFL and uh, the ratings for these football games are probably through the roof and we're going to talk about every single one of them Uh, but to get the dirty work out of the way first the parlay was perfect on Saturday and defeated on Sunday Uh, so we did hit both games on Saturday Cincinnati Bengals plus three and a half as well as the under in the San Francisco 49ers Green Bay Packers game uh, but on Sunday for the Sunday slate of games uh, we did lose Tampa Bay money line and the Buffalo Bills plus two uh, kind of ruined every one of the games if you guys hadn't seen the or the or even heard the results of these football games but honestly everyone listening to this podcast probably has. Uh, so one thing I did want to bring up before we hop right into these awesome football games from this 2022 divisional weekend uh breaking news sean payton has just stepped down as the new orleans saints head coach Uh, unbelievable honestly Uh, and this could go one of two ways i actually saw this on the way home uh from work honestly in my car so i didn't dig too far into it yet Uh, but i see this as one uh one of two things for sean payton and then we'll talk about the saints for just a sec uh also based on this uh breaking news but uh, Sean Payton's doing this for one of two reasons. Either he's realizing that uh, the fact that he's lost Drew Brees and his team is not as dominant as they once were, even though their defense is still pretty solid, they still have playmakers on the offensive side of the football, but he's not interested in trying to rebuild this team to try and get to where he was. Uh, and he's just not interested in coaching in the NFL anymore. He wants to retire. Uh, he wants to stop uh, the entire uh, life job that is being a head coach of an NFL football team, uh, or he's trying to go somewhere else. Uh, and people are talking, and and the internet uh, and, and social media always eats these type of stories up with what kind of slander and or possibilities that could happen. Uh, and and them being as far fetched as possible, people eat into it every time. So I'm not going to eat too far into this. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys are a location that he Sean Payton would be linked to uh, if if it was a possibility that he did not want to retire and he wanted to just get to a different team uh, and try and take that team as to where he took the Saints for the past 16 years. I'm not going to make too many judgments right now. Kind of early. I didn't get a chance to read the article. Came home from work, hopped downstairs into the man cave and started recording this podcast. So uh, I I didn't dig too far into it. I think there's going to be a lot more that comes out in terms of uh, Sean Payton's reasoning for doing so probably in the next few days, to be quite honest with you. Uh, So Saints fans, I wouldn't uh, it's a a loss Uh, in the past 16 years have been great uh, for that organization to get them back into relevance uh, in the NFL. So I wouldn't be too concerned with with what you look at in your football team, there is a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of quality coaches. Not all of them can be Sean Payton. And and similarly to a bunch of teams, every single year in the NFL, the coach gets the team victory if the coach is a good coach. They get more victories than they would have gotten without that coach or with a different coach. And that clearly has happened uh, since Drew Brees' exit. Uh, from from the New Orleans Saints, and quite frankly, his decline as well in terms of his performance. So uh, a, a lot more to come on that. We're going to have a lot of content for this offseason. There's a lot of stuff going around, uh, and there's going to be always things to talk about when it comes to the NFL. So there's going to be plenty of content even after the Super Bowl once we've crowned uh, a Super Bowl winner for the 2022 season, 2021-22 season. Um, wow, words are hard. Uh, but... Let's let's switch our our move right now and let's hop right into these games. We'll do them in chronological order. Uh, so we'll hop in first game on Saturday. The Bengals beat the Titans 19 to 16 on a last second field goal by Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker on the road for the Cincinnati Bengals. Big win for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a 
a little less than expected Joe Burrow performance. Uh, the Tennessee defense is nothing to mess with, uh, but he was sacked nine times and threw an interception. No touchdown passes for Joe Burrow in this game. And honestly, if you watched most of the slate of these games, I've watched. I watched pretty much. I watched pretty much every minute of these football games over the weekend. I did miss the first half of this football game, and from what I've heard, it was the most uneventful half of football between all four of these games for the divisional round. So I'm not too upset about that. Followed a little bit in the second half on my phone and then turned the game on uh, at the end. So that this is probably the game I watched the least in real time, but... It, there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of things that I took from this game that are out of the mainstream media uh that everybody's focusing on whether that be Joe Burrow uh which and and to be quite honest with you I don't blame most of these media outlets Joe Burrow big figure right now uh he's playing well they're in the AFC Championship game for the first time and I think I heard 33 years uh which is kind of insane when you think back at some of those really big games that they had between uh the Bengals and the 49ers back in the 90s possibly even the late 80s so a lot of people are focusing on Joe Burrow in the, in the, when recapping this game, or at least in terms of their takes on how these teams and some of these people are gonna are gonna do moving forward. Uh, but there's a couple things I want to talk about quick on the other side with the Titans, uh, and and it's quite disappointing, honestly, because I expected big fit things from this player. I made multiple hot takes on this podcast. Uh, I remember it was in the summer, right after this man was traded to this team. But Julio Jones completely, dis- completely, complete disappointment uh, with whatever. And I'm not even quite honestly sure what they gave up for Julio Jones. So I'm not, I can't speak to that. I honestly don't remember. I think it was a second round pick, if I'm not a, not mistaken, uh, from him coming over or what they offered uh, Atlanta to to grab him. Uh, but they offered him something, and even his salary is too much based on his performance this year. Uh, AJ Brown in this game took it over for for what good passes Ryan Tannehill did have, uh, and AJ Brown and Derrick Henry are a force. Uh, Derrick Henry came back. Nobody knew if he was going to be 100%. He ran as if he was, uh, but the Bengals bottled him up. 20 carries, 62 yards. He did have a touchdown, uh, but I think his longest rush was nine yards, if I'm not mistaken. So when that happens, I know Dante Foreman came in and got them a big run late uh, for 45, but Derrick Henry was pretty much contained. He was pretty much contained, and I Pretty sure Cincinnati came in to this game wanting to make Ryan Tannehill pass the football, and and they they really did, uh, and he did uh, what sometimes Ryan Tannehill does, which is throw sketchy passes over the middle. Uh, Ryan Tannehill three interceptions in this football game, uh, not a very good performance by him in general. Uh, AJ Brown did have a big game; I think he had over 140 yards receiving on maybe I think it was eight catches. Eight catches for 148 sounds just about right. Uh, but the the Titans themselves, uh, they could not score. They were kicking field goals. They went for two at, at a game that was tied six to six at some point, uh, which in my brain makes absolutely no sense. And I would love to hear from Mike Vrabel that uh, for the reason for that play call. But it's it's things like this where. The number one seed struggled this year, and it's not always that number one seed struggle. Uh, but a lot of people are focusing on the fact that they had a bye week, uh, and that was the reason why these teams came out flat. I don't think that's what it was. I think there was a lot of this year, especially uh, the one seed teams coming out relatively safe, thinking that they had and or were in control of the football game uh, before it even started. Uh, they considered themselves favorites. I think. I think it got in their heads, and they started to make mistakes uh, based on, on things that we hadn't seen from these number one seeds heading into the playoffs. I think that's more of a of a cause uh, for the reason that these te- some of these teams, especially the Titans, came out flat uh, and they made mistakes they typically don't make. It, it's just. And they were able to sack Joe Burrow nine times, which is pretty impressive. That defensive front uh, definitely deserves an award for this football game. Uh, they got Simmons up there, a relatively younger guy, uh, to mix with D'Amico Autry up front. And they were causing havoc uh, for Joe Burrow for a lot of this football game. But Joe Burrow made less mistakes. Their offense made less mistakes. And that's why the Bengals came out on top. 
It's extremely hard to be a rookie kicker in this league. It's extremely hard to kick outside in this league. And it's very hard to do it on the road. Uh, so kudos to Evan McPherson for hitting, I believe it was a 52-yarder at the end of the football game uh, to seal it for, for the Bengals. So I, I like, I, I, we'll, we'll switch back. I just, with Joe Burrow, he's getting super hyped right now. And typically my angle when people get super hyped means that they're due for a bit of a decline. In this instance, I don't think that's the case. I think Joe Burrow's the real deal. Uh, he made this team relevant. He's the reason why this team's able to be as dynamic as they are offensively, even with a somewhat subpar offensive line and a questionable defense. Joe Burrow is coming into these games expecting to win, and he's getting the Ws from the last month of the regular season into the playoffs. So it's good to see. It's good to see young quarterbacks starting to starting to come into their own, whether it be Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes has been around for a little bit, but he's relatively younger. Uh, uh, Herbert, D D Lamar Jackson, a, a lot of these, these younger quarterbacks that people expected to not be as good as they currently are are starting to find their groove, and, and it's making for a good transition in the NFL for if some of the older quarterbacks decide to hang it up. Next on the list, the 49ers stunned the Green Bay Packers 13-10. to uh, Everybody and anyone who listens to this podcast knows the, the, the Vikings and the fact that I bleed purple. Uh, when it comes to football, this made me extremely happy. Uh, not that Green Bay would have any sort of downfall from this, but just watching them lose in games is kind of entertaining. Uh, just for me, since I've been absolutely bullied basically my entire fandom uh, by Aaron Rodgers and or Brett Favre. Uh, so uh, a bit of my anger is a, a little bit justified if, if, if you're asking me. So uh, we'll start with the with the 49ers here. Uh, they that the extreme amount of team effort shown by this football team was quite amazing to watch. I watched every play of this game. Jimmy Garoppolo not on his stuff. It started to snow. It was cold. Uh, the 49ers didn't run the ball relatively effectively at all, really. Uh, I know they had over 100 yards rushing between Debo Samuel and, and Elijah Mitchell, but it didn't look pretty. Uh, Jimmy G threw some questionable passes that could have been intercepted on multiple throws uh, that he's thrown across the body from the opposite hash. It, it's not. Uh, some of the throws, very questionable, could have easily been picked off and returned for a touchdown. Uh, the effort by their defense and the special teams to get the win uh, by the San Francisco 49ers, it was impressive. Uh, they did block a field goal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a huge pass down uh, to Aaron Jones for 75 yards to get down in field goal range. Uh, they get a few penalties and then end up kicking a field goal. Uh, basically, 49ers untouched come in and block that field goal and then block a punt and return it for a touchdown uh, for the only touchdown that they scored of the day. 13-10, uh, to 10, I took the under. The under was 47. I think I should be paid out extra money for that. <laughs> Just, uh, I know it's not realistic, but honestly, it, it, the game was a very odd football game and from both sides. It wasn't just one side that was odd. And these head coaches basically were trying to hit each other on the nose, and the weather basically prevented that from happening. Uh, the, the passes were not crisp. People were dropping passes uh, on both sides. You had Aaron Rodgers, who was throwing at mainly two targets the entire game. You had Jimmy Garoppolo trying to fit passes in where they shouldn't be put into, not even close. And Jimmy G's not that tuck-it-and-run type guy, but it seemed like he didn't even want to move. He wanted to get rid of the ball quick. Everybody felt like it was negative 40 and not 6, like whatever the temperature was during this football game. It seemed like everyone was uncomfortable, but by the end of the game, this was an absolute grudge match on defense. Both defenses played well. They played extremely well. Now, the one thing I do want to ponder on and maybe talk a little bit through with you guys is... What do the 49ers do at quarterback after this season? So at, at this 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 story has been around uh, for a little bit uh, since the 49ers decided to give up multiple first round picks for a quarterback in this past year's draft in Trey Lance. But what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo gets you to a Super Bowl or he wins you a Super Bowl? 
then what do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo? So I really, this is, I've gone back and forth in my head. Like, what is the best situation that I would think of if I was the GM for this football team? What to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because you can do a plethora of things. You can offer him less money, which is completely embarrassing if you're Jimmy Garoppolo after this postseason run he went on and and the end of the regular season to even get them there. Jimmy G does well. Uh, they say they lose next week or they lose in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's value is still probably pretty high. You could try and trade him. You could offer him less money. You could cut him. Or you could start him next year and restructure him and sign him. That's a lot of options, and it almost depends. And I feel uncomfortable giving a take on what I think is going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo until I see them either eliminated or go all the way through this postseason. Where they end up, how he plays is going to determine his fate or value, depending on which way you want to look at it, uh, with the 49ers and what they do with them. I would this this is not a decision that this this upper management of the, of the 49ers right now can just be like, "Yep, we're doing this regardless." If Jimmy G goes in and plays well and wins you a Super Bowl, how do you not re-sign him? I know he makes sketchy throws. I know his injury risk is high. I know he's going to want more money, but he just took he took that means he would have taken you to two Super Bowls and won one of them or even taken you to two Super Bowls and lost both of them still. His play hasn't been terrible. He's not going to go out there and throw for 400 yards of football game. But he's he's c- consistent enough and on the field enough to make you think about it. So their quarterback situation is going to be something to keep our eyes on throughout this offseason, especially if uh, it goes one way or the other way extremely with Jimmy Garoppolo's play and their exit and or win of the playoffs. If they go to the Super Bowl and win, it is going to be a wonderful offseason thing to talk about. If they get knocked out in this round and Jimmy Garoppolo throws three picks in the in the uh, NFC Championship, it's going to be a fun thing to talk about. So I, I don't know what they do. I need to see what happens before I give a take on it uh, because it could completely – you could get – it's like making a terrible bet. It's like betting on the Jaguars to score 50 points in the next football game, regardless of who it is. Like, It's not something that you have that much insight on. I don't know what they're going to do, but I know they're going to have a huge decision to make. Uh, on the flip side, we'll talk about the Packers for a little bit. Uh, the Packers' main playmakers played well in this game. Aaron Jones, he helped on the ground as much as he possibly could. He helped through the air, nine tar- or eight targets, sorry, 10 targets, nine catches, over 120 yards receiving, most of that on the 75-yard catch on the busted coverage. But he played well. Devontae Adams, 11 targets, 10 catches. But he Aaron Rodgers didn't seek any other support. Now, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did not play in this game. He could not go. But Alan Lazard was on the on the field. One target, six six yards. One target, one catch, six yards. He tried to hit Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis fumbles. He doesn't throw at the tight ends. It seems, and it's not, this has always been Aaron Rodgers. He's stubborn. Aaron Rodgers is a stubborn, hard-nosed football player who's a little hard to get along with and to try and understand the type of person he is. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, you cannot just target two people. The second half of this football game was basically watching the the San Francisco 49ers blanket Devontae Adams, bump him at the line, uh, use double coverage, whatever they could to make sure he could not catch the football at, for at least a decent gain was applied by D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shanahan to make sure Devontae Adams did not beat them. And he didn't. So I I have no issue or no qualms with the way that the Green Bay Packers playmakers played in this football game. The problem I have is with Aaron Rodgers. And listen, I, I try to stay as far away from getting emotionally attached to disliking people. Uh, and not disliking the player. I separate you as a player and you as a person. That's just something that I've always done uh, when trying to analyze sports, trying to make my opinions. 
because I and the, and it all started with Tiger Woods. To be quite honest with you, Tiger Woods. I will always love Tiger Woods, the the golfer. Uh, he's the reason why I started golfing at a younger age. I followed him throughout my entire life as I was trying to golf, watching videos of him golf, trying to study what he does. And and, and I will always love him and respect the the golfer Tiger Woods. I'm not the biggest fan of Tiger Woods the person. I'm just not. And and call me call me whatever you want about making that statement. I'm just not. He's made questionable decisions. I understand that people make mistakes. I get that. But I, I, I've always separated it between the player and the person. A lot of them are the same. I like the player. I don't I like the person. A lot of them coincide and are are they're they're parallel. That my feeling is mutual between both. But for Aaron Rodgers, I will always respect him as a as a football player, as a quarterback on the football field. But the way he portrays himself and the decisions he makes off the field is a little questionable at, at, at best. It's questionable. And I don't know what happens. His press conference he released said he's not going to be a part of a rebuild and he doesn't know what his, what his, his future is in football with the Packers, all of this stuff. And it's like every time people kind of stop talking about him, he says something to make people talk about him again. And that's just, I, that's, it's just not, it's, it's not something that I'm interested in listening to. And we just went this entire offseason hearing about Aaron Rodgers with all the drama that he created uh, in the offseason, being in Cabo, playing the ukulele, whatever the hell he was doing. I don't know what he, I don't, can't remember exactly what it was, but like, come on, dude, play football or don't play football. I, I understand. I, I don't think that I can handle a whole nother offseason talking about Aaron Rodgers. However, the good thing about sports is you can never choose what the big story is. Ever. So guess what? I'm probably going to have to deal with it. So uh, the Packers lose a big game here. This is a way bigger loss than it is a San Francisco win, honestly. Green Bay, number one seed. Uh, they struggle against... San Francisco and have struggled. They're 0-4 against them in their last four attempts to beat them. It's just, I don't know what it is. I think Kyle Shanahan just has Matt LaFleur's number, and that's really what it comes down to. I think the 49ers were a better coach team in this game. They played more cohesive as a team, and I think the vibe on their sideline was better than the vibe on Green Bay's. The weather played in, played a, a, a decent effect on the, the winner of this football game. Uh, but not in the way that I thought. I, I thought that these teams were going to be able to run the football on each other even though it's cold and the better rushing team would win. And they both were pretty subpar. And they're thro- besides Aaron Rodgers' 75-yard pass, the, the throwing games for both of these teams were also subpar. So it came down to the defenses. And honestly, the better defense won. Even with the and, – and I got to give it up to the 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 – player group that I've talked the most crap on, honestly, probably since the podcast started. The San Francisco 49ers secondary, their corners and their safeties played well in this game. And I have talked a lot of crap on them in a lot of podcasts since I started this started this podcast back in June. I knew that their secondary was going to struggle. They struggled a decent amount of the, the regular season, but people are stepping up and they're making plays. And they're going to be an underdog in this football game, probably, even though they've beaten the Rams twice so far this season, it'll be the third time that they've played each other. But you cannot you cannot count Kyle Shanahan out of a football game. So I'm tempted to take them plus the points regardless of what they are, honestly. Next game, first game of Sunday, the Rams beat the Buccaneers 30-27 to on a last-second field goal. The Tom Brady effect, and this is literally what I've I've coined this phrase. He did it in Atlanta. I, I told you guys I'm currently watching Man in the Arena. I think I'm on episode like seven. I think there's nine released. I don't know how many there's going to be. Um, or if it's done at nine, I didn't even really look uh, because I didn't get to the end to even want to check. Uh, awesome series, by the way. Would definitely recommend, even if you are a Tom Brady hater, uh, or have any discrepancy with him in general. This is a wonderful like docu series. It's like an E60, but there's multiple episodes. He brings in people 
in his life that talk with him through these scenarios. And it's a great and it's a well-prepared series. It's awesome to watch. I'm only seven in. I'm hooked. I hope there's more, honestly. Uh, But Tom Brady just takes what you give him and turns it into points. Uh, The Rams had this game in the bag. At the end of the first half, I think there was 30 seconds left. Uh, it was 21 to three, I think, at this time, maybe 20 to three. Uh, the Rams basically fumble. Uh, Cam Akers fumbles at the one yard line, uh, and Tampa Bay gets the ball, runs out the clock uh, for the rest of the half, and then the Rams get the ball first uh, in the second half and score a touchdown. It was unbelievable how that changed the game. That fumble changed the game. Tom Brady hung around. They tried to fight through it. He made multiple passes down the field that were awesome in this football game in the second half. First half was a struggle uh, for the Buccaneers offensively. Very much a struggle. Uh, Tom Brady could not find a target. They, they were playing lockdown defense on those wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, he found, I think, Gronk once in the first three quarters. Uh, until it got to the fourth quarter. So it was a struggle for the Buccaneers offense. Uh, But Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans overall for the football game kept them alive. Big touchdowns, one each by, by either of those, by both of those players, I guess. Mike Evans with a big catch late. I think it was a 60-yarder, if I'm not mistaken, and Leonard Fournette ran in a touchdown late as well. Uh, but playoff Lenny's been a thing for two, at least two years now. So, uh, listen... Uh, kudos to the Bucks for bringing it back, at least trying. Their defense was actually, so all the projected starters, if you guys don't remember, every starter on defense and on offense came back to the Bucks this year. They made no improvements. They didn't let anyone go. They just brought everyone back. That projected starting lineup in the offseason played their first game together on Sunday. They've been that dinged up on the defensive side of the ball I know that they still get relatively good production from their defensive front seven, uh, but the secondary took a lot of that hurt throughout the season in terms of longer-lasting injuries uh, and longer recovery times. So when they came back, I don't think they were fully prepared for this football game. And that's honestly what I felt when I watched them play. When I saw Carlton Davis was in, uh, when I saw they had Mike Edwards, when I saw they had Antoine Winfield Jr., when I when I saw all of these players that I remember seeing last year when they went on their Super Bowl run, I was like, oh, yeah, they'll be able to stop Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Van Jefferson, uh, Tyler Higbee. They'll be, able to, they'll be able to hold it down. And in the first half, they absolutely did not do that. Their secondary got absolutely eaten alive. They weren't able to get to Stafford at often or at, basically at all. Uh, and they had a lot of penalties in the first half. Tampa Bay did that. It hurt them in terms of taking them out of scoring range, uh, taking them out of converting on third downs. It was a struggle in the first half for Tam- for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. But uh, let's flip the switch quick. Matt Stafford shines in this football game, and he shines uh, with them fumbling the ball and losing it four times. Cam Akers had two of those. Cooper Cup, the sure-handed wide receiver, had one, as well as the center snapping the ball five feet over Matt Stafford's head. So if if people are in the media or people on social media or in blogs covering the NFL are trying to blame Matt Stafford for any part of Tampa Bay coming back and tying this football game late, they are on a certain specific drug uh, that I don't know what it is, but I, it, they're losing it. They're losing it. Matt Stafford had a great game. Uh, it, what it really comes down to with the Rams is they are way more dynamic than people gave them credit for. Uh, with Odo Beckham Jr., with, with Tyler Higby at tight end, with Cooper Cup being the best wide receiver this year, uh, and with Cam Akers, who, yes, fumbled the ball twice in this football game, but... He comes back off the Achilles injury. They have Sony Michelle. They're able to be so much more dynamic than people expected offensively, uh, which I think pumps up their defense to play better than they have been all season. Their corners, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, the the edge rushers, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, they've all eaten some of the some of the positivity coming from how good that offense is and I think it's sparking the defense to play better as well I think they went a little too soft in the second half they let Tampa Bay back in it you never let Brady back in it 
I thought my our bet on the podcast was a sure loss uh, until I saw the, the watch this game commence a little bit longer. Uh, and when when they tied it up, I was sure Tom Brady was going to pull something out of his ass, and he was just going to win this football game somehow. Uh, but the defense let them down late. Cooper Cup, awesome catch uh, with about, I think, 15 seconds left. Uh, they ran down, spiked it, and kicked the winning field goal with Matt Gay. So uh, kudos to the Rams. It's going to be a wonderful three third gamer, I guess you could say, against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game, uh, which is kind of a weird setup if you think about it. The Rams will be the home team, uh, and they will also play in the Super Bowl as the home team. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in next week with the Rams being at home. And then if they're able to win that game, also having a home playoff, a home Super Bowl game that they need to go out and try and win. So it's going to be close. I want to see how the line moves. Obviously, I'm going to pick these two games for you guys in our preview episode uh, that I'm going to release this coming Friday uh, on the podcast. But I listen, this is going to be a, a good football game. Uh, and there's a really good football game going to happen on the other side in the AFC as well. So next Sunday is going to be action-packed again. I don't think it's possible to live up to what happened on this, like on this past week. I don't think you can live up to that, especially with less games and the fact of how good the games were this week. But it's going to be a wonderful week next week. So let's see what happens with the Rams. uh, And let's see what happens with Tom Brady going into the offseason with some question marks. Whether he's going to retire or come back to Tampa Bay or go somewhere else. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tom. I don't know how long he's able to keep it up. He's going to be 45 next year. So I don't really know. I don't think that Tom has it in him to go to another team. So I think the only options on the play right now are Tom Brady plays for the Bucks. They give it another go, or he's going to hang him up. Those are the only two options I see even somewhat relevant when it comes to Tom Brady and his future. And finally, the piece to resistance, the last game of the Sunday slate, or of the, I guess of the divisional slate for of the weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs win 42 to 36 in overtime against the Buffalo Bills. The one the first thing I want to I want to think of when I'm talking and recapping this game of, of what I literally saw every play of is the Bills had the number 1 scoring defense and got absolutely picked apart. It was unbelievable to watch the game. Everyone's going to talk about the plays late in the game, but it was all game. Their corners were getting picked apart. Their safeties were getting picked apart. Kansas City was playing way faster than they expected. The The wide receivers were, were way more open than people expected. And Mahomes was able to run the football effectively early. I think that's exactly why these wide receivers were so open for Kansas City. That's literally why. The the Bills' defense, if you're going to blame any unit on that football team that you're going to blame for the loss that they just took to the Chiefs, you're going to blame the defensive unit. Leslie Frazier, who is currently interviewing for head coaching jobs, put up a stink burger in this football game for any sort of resume he has for football. Uh, it's possibly been and hindered even worse now. Uh, and I was not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Leslie Frazier since he was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. They were awful when he was the head coach. Absolutely awful. Uh, we've seen that story. We don't need to see it again. Uh, so anybody who picks up Leslie Frazier as their head coach, and now that I'm saying this now, I'm thinking now the Vikings are going to say, oh, let's give them another shot. Watch. I'm going to call it now. But I, listen, that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at. I, I, the Bills defense was the biggest disappointment. They were absolutely the biggest disappointment in this game. And, and their their playmakers were pretty disappointing as well. And the ones that were helping them on their way to this playoff push. Devin Singletary, 11 carries, 26 yards, pretty much irrelevant. Uh, Josh Allen had more, way more rushing yards than he did, and he led the team in rushing yards. Stephon Diggs, three catches for seven yards and a two-point conversion, which was a big catch. Don't get me wrong. The two-point conversion catch in the back of the end zone he had uh, to to make the, the Bills up by three late in the football game. But uh, listen, I 
Josh Allen had a historic last two games. And he had an historic game basically on his own uh, with one other individual, which we're clearly going to talk about in my surprise segment uh, after we're done going over this football game. I'll talk a little more about that. But uh, listen, I they had to trust other playmakers in this game that weren't Stephon Diggs. They weren't Dawson Knox. And they weren't Devin Singletary on the ground, who's been relatively effective the last few weeks. So uh, Josh Allen played well. He had an awesome game, an awesome last two games, nine touchdowns, over 900 yards, not 900 yards passing, over 550 yards passing, and nine touchdowns, no picks. He's rushed the ball extremely well for first downs, getting tough yards, extending plays. Josh Allen is going to be a very good quarterback for a very long time. And this is coming from a guy who really didn't think much of him coming out of college. I thought he was too raw. I thought it was going to be a similar outlook <clears throat> Sorry, that people are currently have on Trey Lance. He's a project, but the project might work. The, the ceiling is so high, but the floor is so low. That's the type of stuff that I thought was going to happen with Josh Allen. And he clearly was given the correct guidance, the correct coaching, and he had his own probably self-motivation to become a really extremely good athlete on the field as well as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So kudos to Josh Allen. But let's switch let's switch over to the Kansas City Chiefs and, and this is the old Chiefs that we haven't seen in a while. And I'm not saying that they haven't played well recently uh, because they have. But this is the old Chiefs that can win regardless of who they're playing and how they're playing. This is the Kansas City Chiefs that we're used to seeing in the last few years where their defense gives up a lot. Their defense gives up big plays. They, they have some broken coverages. They get over it. They get over it with awesome offensive play calling. Andy Reid called an awesome game. They got a lot from Jarek McKinnon early. They brought in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was good for a few really long runs. Mahomes was running the football. Uh, Tyreek Hill, 10, 11 catches, 150 yards, and a TD. He looked like the roadrunner on the field. I have not I have not had somebody that I think is more entertaining to watch on a football field than Tyreek Hill. The entire entertainment factor of watching Tyreek Hill play is the best as one single player, I think, in the league. Maybe even in history. Yes, Terrell Owens was was quite the firecracker, so to speak. Randy Moss, same situation. And it was fun to watch some of these other guys growing up. But watching Tyreek Hill go backwards on every catch and try and find room to get an extra five yards to try and break it for a deep run, it's exciting to watch. Travis Kelsey... Awesome. Eight catches, 96 yards in a TD. Both of them had big catches on that last that last series to get them in field goal range to take it to overtime. Quick recap there. Uh, Mahomes gets the ball back with 13 seconds. Two passes, one to Tyreek Hill, one to Travis Kelsey. They go 45 yards, I think, in 10 seconds. Uh, and Harrison Bucker kicks a 50-yard field goal to tie it up, and they go to OT. Chiefs win the coin toss. They go down and score to Travis Kelsey in OT. It, it was amazing to watch this football. This was the best football game I think I've ever watched, and that's coming from a Minnesota Vikings fan who watched every snap of the Minnesota Miracle game in 2017. This game might have been more exciting to watch. I'm being completely honest, and I am – the bit probably the biggest Vikings fan you guys are ever going to meet. Now, uh, there're probably some other Vikings fans out there to listen to this podcast and that's no diss on you, but I I consider myself and with my fandom a relatively huge Minnesota Vikings fan. And that game was more exciting to watch than the Minnesota Miracle game. That is the hottest take I'm going to have on this podcast until my podcast until I either die or the podcast stops happening. That is going to be the hottest take ever is that that game is better than the Minnesota Miracle game coming from a Vikings fan, which is me. It's, it is it was ridiculous. Back and forth and back and forth. My girlfriend even got into it, and she doesn't even like football that much. I've been showing show, teaching her some stuff. Uh, a few games that we watched, she asked about that. I've been trying to teach her a little bit about football, but she by no means likes watching football, and she was into it. 
So uh, that game was amazing. That was probably the best football game I've ever seen. Honestly, I just pretty much made that comment, but I'm just going to make that one as well. That's probably the best football game I've ever seen. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and company, everybody on that roster deserves a huge amount of kudos for coming out with a win in Buffalo when they probably had a 2% chance to win after Buffalo went up by three with 13 seconds left. And like I've mentioned already, Listen, the Chiefs are going to give up stuff on defense. They always do. They always give up big plays on defense, but they have Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter what their defense is in terms of rank. It doesn't matter who they have. They're going to play hard, but they're going to give up big plays. And guess what? The defense that gave up the least amount of big plays in this game won the game. And that's that's basically it right there. That's the take. That's it. The Bills are going to be good for a while. Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to have a rivalry similar to Peyton Manning probably and Tyreek Hill. Or, sorry, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's going to be a similar rivalry probably for the next decade, if not longer. So this is not going to be the last time we see the Bills. I know they possibly could lose their offensive and defensive coordinators to head coaching positions. But Shaw McDermott's a good coach. Josh Allen's a great leader. And that football team is going to be good for a lot of years to come. All right, guys, I said I had a surprise segment for you, so here it is. My top five impact players. It does not have to be positively impact. Could be negative. Uh, could be from a losing team. Could be from a winning team from this week. But I picked five guys, five players that I consider the biggest impact players for their football team or for these football games. Uh, and I'm going to start at five, and we're going to get down to one. So here it is, Cole's top five impact players of the divisional round 2022. Number five, Cooper Cup, nine catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he did have a big fumble that helped the Tampa Bay Bucks get back into the game and keep some of their steam for the comeback they were trying to mount uh, to win this game. Uh, but he did have the big catch, uh, deep seam route he ran, Uh, for a lot of yards can't exactly remember exactly how many yards uh, but a very long pass that set them up for their winning field goal uh, to advance to the nfc championship game against the 49ers cooper cup if he doesn't get mvp votes i think it's fixed if he doesn't get any mvp votes hell i'll vote for him right now awesome season clearly the best receiver all year the statistics show it he's a great guy i've seen his interviews he's a very intelligent football player and he's he's able to do things that i think i think some players take for granted and don't practice and and i think he's a good learner of the game Uh, and he's a studier of the game and that's why cooper cup's been able to play so well but that's cooper cup at number five Number four, Cam Akers, 24 carries for 48 yards against the Tampa Bay defense, two fumbles, one at the end of the first half, which we talked about already, that pretty much stopped their momentum uh, for basically a route of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and also a fumble late, uh, which helped the Bucks get within seven. So Cam Akers, I've already given him high praise based on his skill set on the field and the way he treated his rehab so that he could come back from that torn Achilles. These two fumbles, I don't think, define Cam Akers. I think it it shows a lot from, from head coach Sean McVay uh, to give him the football even after he fumbled continuously to try and snap him out of it uh, and try and maybe break a big play so that they could ice the game. Uh, but Cam Akers, big impact uh, in this game on, a neg- on the negative side uh, of the spectrum uh, due to the fact that he allowed Tom Brady to tie the football game up essentially uh, with a little help from Cooper Cup and the center for snapping the ball way over Matt Stafford's head. Uh, but those four turnovers were huge uh, for allowing Tampa Bay to get back in this game and, and almost win it. Number three for the impact players, Josh Allen, 27 of 37 for 329 yards passing. He had four touchdowns passing. All of them to the same player, which we'll go over in a minute. And 11 rushes for 68 yards. A lot of those third down runs, a lot of those tough runs up the middle. Uh, He doesn't slide often, and when he does, it's still kind of close to getting hit. 
Uh, so he was taking some abuse from the Chiefs, who tackled him relatively well, uh, even at his big stature, uh, an extremely powerful self, I guess you could say. But Josh Allen played well. Uh, this week, last week, he's played well all season. Uh, he had a bit of a rut. So did Patrick Mahomes. So did a lot of other um, quarterbacks in this league, and as do most in each year. There's a few games where you don't play well, but Josh Allen is becoming a huge leader for this team. He's he's allowing the Buffalo Bills to be great again. He's showing a lot of signs in his leadership that he's willing to help and give himself in terms of his knowledge, uh, how he practices, how he prepares to his teammates that he's basically elevated in terms of their lower skill set to making them better football players. And he has a great coach in Sean McDermott who is making him a better football player at the same time. So Josh Allen, we've just talked about him uh, in the end of the recap for the for the Chiefs, Chiefs-Bills game. But I think Josh Allen's around for a long time and plays at a high level. So he played well. I know it's in a loss, uh, but none of the anything that happened to them was due to Josh Allen's performance. As a matter of fact, I think he's the only one on that team uh, that doesn't deserve any hate uh, for the fact that the Bills lost this weekend. Number two, the man that he threw all of his touchdowns to in this football game, also in a loss, but Gabriel Davis. We just talked about it. Uh, Stephon Diggs pretty much irrelevant in this football game. Three catches for seven yards and one two-point conversion. Uh, Gabriel Davis, a whopping eight catches for 201 yards and four TDs. All of them were very perfect routes. Uh, He ran great routes. He had great hands. He was available for Josh Allen, and he was there for comfort. Josh Allen knew that every time he threw in his direction, he was going to at least have a chance to bring it down. Him and Cole Beasley both did well uh, in the absence of Stephon Diggs putting up any type of yardage. Uh, And honestly, the Chiefs probably went into this game trying to eliminate Stephon Diggs, similar to how Bill Belichick eliminates the best option for any opponent's team, honestly. So, listen... Uh, Gabriel Davis, I've always liked him in fantasy. He's always been a good second option, somebody to plug in on a bye week. Uh, But Gabriel Davis might be a number two wide receiver now based on the confidence he takes into this offseason and the fact that he can learn from Stephon Diggs, who, regardless of maybe his sketchy antics on and off the field, uh, his knowledge of football and the way he runs routes and the way he performs is undeniably great. So, with Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs now, with Gabriel Davis's confidence being high, I think Josh, Josh Allen has a record-setting year next year, uh, which is another hot take. And number one for the biggest impact player of this weekend is obviously Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, 33 of 44, which is 75% completion for 378 yards and three touchdowns. He also had seven carries for 69 yards and a TD. I heard this take uh, on the internet on a, a podcast I listened to. I honestly can't even remember which one. But it was the most realistic take in my brain that I agree with with why Patrick Mahomes did not perform well during the regular season. And and, and for those few games, I think it was maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, where he was having stinkers. And, and listen, I honestly think, and this was a good argument made by this individual, but... I honestly do think that he was bored in the in the regular season. Listen, this man's been to three straight AFC Championship games. He has a Super Bowl. He's trying to get back. I think during the season he got bored, and maybe even subconsciously. I don't think he was visibly bored, but I think subconsciously he was ready for the playoffs, which is why he underperformed and maybe underthought some of these situations during these football games. But but Patrick Mahomes is a game-changing player. And they have more than one game-changing player on that team with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and sometimes they're running backs that decide to heat up whenever they decide they want to heat up. But Patrick Mahomes is going to be a decade-long, if not two-decade-long talent. If there's one player that has a chance to challenge the GOAT status of Tom Brady, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's got to start winning Super Bowls and doing them quick uh, because Brady had three in his first five years. Uh, And I believe that this is Patrick Mahomes' fourth or fifth year. He's got a long career. He has a lot of time to do this. It's no rush. But I don't think anyone else right now, I can confidently say, 
can even get somewhat close to challenge Tom Brady as being the greatest of all time, uh, especially in terms of quarterbacks. All right, guys, that was my top five impact players for the All In Man Cave podcast. Remember to add me on Twitter at All In Man Cave Pod. Add me on Facebook, C O L E H A Y D as in dog, T as in Tom. That's going to end. It's going to end the podcast. We got a lot of stuff coming out. We got GM roles being filled. We've got coaching roles being filled. We've got players maybe leaving, players maybe retiring. So we got a lot of stuff that we can cover. We still have two weeks, I guess three weeks if you want to include the off week, but we still got two more weeks of football in the championship games for the AFC and the NFC as well as the Super Bowl. I said I was going to do Super Bowl props. I might have to do some cool prop bets this week too considering there's only two games, Uh, but maybe I'll pick the over-unders and the winners for each game. I don't know yet. We'll see what happens. Uh, But I will be back to preview those games with you guys on Friday. Remember, I record the podcast in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time, probably about 4 o'clock, between 3 and 4 o'clock. So uh, depending on what platform you guys listen to the podcast on, whether that be Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and and a lot of other places where depending on where you listen, uh, depends on when they accept it and upload it to to the platform. So Apple Podcasts seems to be the quickest. iHeartRadio seems to be the slowest. Uh, So you guys could be listening to it Friday night. You could be listening to it Saturday. Good news is... uh, the games are all on both are on Sunday this week uh, because I th- it's always kind of weird watching the NFL on Saturday, although I'm not going to complain, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so I will talk to you guys to preview that stuff or preview those games with you on Friday. But until then, everybody stay safe out there. Everybody make try and make good decisions uh, and try and help somebody out once a day. Just help somebody random out. Good karma. It's good for the world because there's a lot of negativity out there right now. And anything you can turn from negative to positive is always a good move. So I will talk to you guys on Friday. Until then. Later.